It's good to be with you here this morning. Um, my name is Josh Hinkin. I'm the pastor here for high school and young adults. And it really is a privilege and honor to have the opportunity to open up God's Word together. Um, so if you have your Bibles or you want to pull out your Bible app, we'll be in John 12, verse 20 through 36. John 12, verse 20 through 36. We'll be capturing the whole picture of the story, but we'll be camping out most of this morning in the first six verses as we converse about what it looks like to be on mission to bless. Um, and so welcome to Bless Sunday. I don't know if you've seen the slide, Bless. Um, Pastor Craig was up here last week and kind of unpacked what Bless means or stands for. And if you're new with us, welcome. Um, five, bless is for these five acronyms for five missional practices of what it looks like for you and I to go into our worlds and join this movement to bless other people. And the five acronyms, B, begin with prayer. Um, if you remember last week, if you were here, Pastor Craig um, asked you to think about those that you could start praying for. And in your bulletin uh, handout this morning, you have these right here. And uh, later today, um, in a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to um, write names down on that. So B, begin with prayer. The next one is L, listen with care. E, eat together. S, Share with love, and the other S is um, serve one another, or share your story. So it's cool because it connects with the mission that we have here at First Cove, where we want to be everyday missionaries. It's not this conversation about just going off into Africa, some are called there, but everyday missionaries, what does it look like to be someone who blesses the people that you're around, your family, your friends? your city that you're around, where you go to work. What does it look like to bless other people? So before we jump into John 12, 20 through 36, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. You are so good. You're so faithful. And when we think about your goodness and we think about your grace, God, we are overwhelmed and in awe of you. So Father, your children are here we are listening. Would you speak to us, O oh Lord? Speak to us so that we might hear. Turn our ear to your voice so that we might be ever so understanding. Turn our hearts to you so that we might experience this morning the fullness of who you are. God, it is to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body and you think through my mind, that you would use the vocal cords that I have, that you would help me to say no and do. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be ever so pleasing to you. You are our strength and our redeemer, and you are love. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, John twelve twenty. To 36. Here we go. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Aunt, tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come, the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. 
But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Verse 27, my, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Now it was for the very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, this voice was from your benefit, not mine. Now in the time of the judgment of this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the heaven, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will return, remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little bit longer. While Walk while you have the light. Before darkness overtakes you, whoever walks in darkness does not know where they are going. Believe in the light. While you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This is the word of God. Amen. So it was probably about 2012. Um, I started, I was watching a TV show and I just fell in love with this TV show. Um, it was on for about three seasons. It started in 2006. It went till about, yeah, 2009. And it was called Everest Beyond the Limit. Anybody ever see that? Discovery Channel? Whew, okay, not that many people. Great. So if you can imagine this, right, Everest Beyond the R- Limit is about the summit into, onto the top of Mount Everest. Um, there's also movies called Everest, simple title, I like it, or The Summit. I bought a couple books, and to be honest, I fell in love with the idea of climbing Mount Everest. Anybody else fall in love with the idea of climbing Mount, okay, cool. Good. So there's only a few here. Good. So just to put it in perspective, Mount Everest is 29,000, flies at 31,000 feet. And if Mount Everest is at 29,028 feet, you are just right about hanging out with an airline jet. Isn't that crazy? Like we're talking, it's way up there. It's way up there. So I was so excited because I was like, man, I could do this. I made it, mind you, my mental mission to climb Mount Everest. I knew I wanted to deep down inside. I didn't know if it was going to be a reality. So what I did was grab a backpack. And mind you, the most I've hiked, the highest I've gone is 13,000 feet. So that's, you know, a little less than half of Mount Everest. But then I started reading some statistics about Mount Everest. And about 6,000 people have attempted the summit of Mount Everest. Only about 440 people have gotten to the top, and about 120 people have passed away on the mountain trying. So this is Mount Everest, right? Tallest mountain in this world above sea level. 
And there's these people who are trying to make it their mission to summit the top of Mount Everest. I thought it was possible. I did until I realized at 24, 25 years of age, and talking to some people, um, you need about $35,000 to $100,000 just to summit Mount Everest. I mean, as a 24-year-old, I didn't have it. I never won the lottery. Honestly, probably never tried. But 35000 to 100000 like it was not going to be possible. And at the top of Mount Everest, you take only in a third of oxygen that you normally do right here, right now. So at that time, talking to some people and my wife, and she's like, mm, yeah, no, you're not going to probably do that because you may not come back alive, let's be honest. But I made that in my life my mental mission. I wanted to make it happen. I bought some books, watched a lot of TV, did some research. I even got this sweet backpack, as you can see, and the sweet hydro flask water bottle that I can't get out. Like, I thought it could happen, but you realize, even if you put in the $100,000, the percentage of actually getting to the top is very, very, very low. But that was my mental mission. And when you think of even the word mission, I think of it this way, as something that is a strong commitment, a sense of duty to something, to do or achieve. A strong commitment or a sense of duty. Like I had a mentally strong commitment to it because I thought it would be cool. But it didn't go beyond that. And I think, and I want to ask you this morning, is there anything in your everyday life that you have made it your mission? Right? So I don't know if, um, if you're a mom here and uh, with young kids and it was maybe your mission this past weekend to just keep the house clean. And did that, was that successful, anybody? No, not, probably not. Or maybe it was just your mission to have a half an hour to yourself without a little one in the presence so that you can go and exhale. My wife was gone on retreat this past weekend, and uh, it was my mission to get my two little ones throughout the weekend. That was my mission. Um, anybody's mission was to have a perfect March Madness bracket? How did that work on Friday? Anybody? I don't know if you were checking it out, if you even care much, but the 16 seed took over the first seed, which has never happened before. So if you thought number one was going to beat number 16, you were wrong. And so your bracket's kind of destroyed, right? Is that a thing? Or maybe, maybe your mission, as it used to be my and still is, is that I want to do or go anywhere whenever I wanted to. But then I realized that I'm not retired and that was not going to happen either. So I wonder for you and for us this morning, what does it look like to be everyday missionaries? And what does it look like specifically to connect that with your faith in Jesus Christ in a way to be in a place of mission to bless other people? If you think about that, what does that look like for you, everyday missionaries to bless other people? And maybe it's within your family, just taking care of your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's the city that you live in or your neighbors. I don't know what that is, but what is your mission to bless? So this morning, I just want to walk through John 12, 20 through 26. Hear what God has in store for us this morning. As you think of your mission to bless And it's going to be as simple as this. We're going to look at Jesus' example of his mission to bless and then our response 
What are ways that we can bless other people? So if you have Bibles, hopefully you have them still open. If not, grab them. We'll be in, yeah, John twelve twenty. And so 20 starts this way. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So before we go much further, I want to put this in context because what we see here is it says that now there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. At the festival, this is about two days after Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday that we experience will be on this coming Sunday. But this is within the week of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. If that puts it in context with you. Now, even here, it says now there were some Greeks. In the first century, Greeks were also known as Gentiles. And the Gentiles were outside of the covenant promise that God made to Israel. And you have these two different groups, the Gentiles over here, and then you have the Jews over here. And it's interesting when reading in verse 20, because you have these Gentiles over here, and they are drawing into wanting to hear more from Jesus. They say to Philip, we would like to see Jesus. They want to talk to Jesus. These Greeks, these Gentiles, who were not a part of the covenant promise, who in the temple place had to stay on the outer courts, because they were not allowed on the inner courts. The Jews were in the inner courts. They were within the covenant promise that God made to Israel. It's like us here in the space. May we be Jews here within this space. And outside those doors, the Gentiles had to hang out. They were not part of the conversation. So we have these two movements. The Greeks, the Gentiles, leaning in, wanting to know more about Jesus. And at the same token, you have the Jews... The Pharisees, the Sadducees, pushing back of Jesus' teaching, saying, hey, we don't believe what you're teaching, and we don't believe that you are even the Son of God. And so what happens, right? In a few more days from here, from when the story is told, he is put to death because the Jews no longer believe that he is the Son of God. They did not see it. So there's these two groups coming in, the Greeks and the Jews, And I find it interesting for us in this space because maybe you're in that space too. Maybe you're here in this moment and you're one that's leaning in and you're wondering, what's God saying? What's Jesus saying this morning? Or maybe you're here and you're over here and you're pushing back and you're saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about who this Jesus is. And there is a space for all people But what is cool about this moment is that Jesus, in the climax of his public ministry here, where he dies on the cross, he is now introducing the Greeks, the Gentiles, saying that what is yet to come is that salvation, that my death on the cross, Jesus Christ's death on the cross, is here, is that it's for all people. No matter if, matter if you're a Jew, no matter if you're a Gentile, no matter if you're Greek, whatever you are, no matter if you're a man or a woman here, or what you're coming from, it's for all people. They're leaning in. They're wanting to know more. And that's for everyone here. So the first focus that I want to see is what is Jesus' mission? 
Or what was Jesus' mission here on earth? So if we look at verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. The hour right here is a moment in which it's new because the hour has now come. Through Jesus' time, he has always been saying the hour is not yet here. We are not, it's not yet that I'm going to die on the cross. Um, You see that in John 2. I'll just flip right there. Jesus changing water into wine, if you remember that story. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. One example of many other examples. And now Jesus is saying, it is here and now. For the Son of Man to be glorified. I want to camp on on Son of Man. Um, It's not really explicit throughout the New Testament, the words Son of Man. But there's usually two things tied to the Son of Man within the whole totality of the Bible. Is that the Son of Man is going to suffer. You hear that all throughout the Old Testament. He is going to suffer. And the Son of Man, also the Son of God, is someone who is going to live for eternity, forever. And what you see here is that this, this statement that God is making, that I am the Son of Man, that I am the Son of God, is to say that you cannot confuse me with any prophet out there, any good teacher out there. You can't con- confuse me with another God out there. I am the God. I am the Son of God. I have always been, I will forever be. And we see that even in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says in verse 14, The Word became flesh, Jesus became flesh, and dwelt among us. So that he could be glorified, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is saying, now is the time. I am the Son of God. I am Jesus Christ. I am God the Father's Son, here now. And there is a time yet that I will be glorified. How will Jesus be glorified? Jesus will be glorified on the death of the cross. So what is his mission coming here? What is Jesus' mission coming into this world? His mission is that he will be glorified, that through the glorification of God the Father, that he died for us, that Christ's mission to bless the whole world was death on the cross. Why? Because at the beginning of time, we have all sinned. We're born into sin. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and Jesus Christ coming here, God the Son coming here on this earth, living a perfect life, is called here, mission to die, so that we may experience the blessings of God. And let's look a little further. It says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. I read that again. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only 
a single seed. It's an interesting, interesting thought. So he's just trying to find some more clarity for the Gentiles, for the Greeks, saying, I'm coming and I have to die. There is an hour yet to come. Um, Have you ever... Okay, we'll start here. At our house, at my house, at my... um, at my house, we have these um, <laughs> black walnut trees. Um, they're big, really, really big, like super big, to the point where my wife thinks that we should cut most of them down because they might fall in the house. But I have a love for trees, so I really just don't want to cut them down. But they come with these. This is, um, you know, about four months old. But they come green black walnuts is what they're called. So what happens, you just few things happen. First, when you park your car underneath one of these things and it falls down, you get a few extra dents, so I learned that the hard way. Another thing that you learn is that squirrels love these things, so I have families of families of squirrels within my house. Uh, Not within my house, but within my yard, mind you. They might be in the house, who knows. They're in the garage, I can tell you that. So you have these right here, and they love them. Um, I went out there this, ye- this yesterday to pick a few up, and I saw so many like squirrel holes where they buried them down because you, know, you can open them up and there's a nut in there. And another part, like I love this story because um, I don't really do much with my car, my Jeep. Um, I, my dad is, my, is the mechanic in the family, and he does it all, and I should probably learn. I get that. I know I'm growing up and everything. But at the same time... Um, he was changing my oil um, in the Jeep and uh, popped the hood, and you wouldn't know what you found, a few of these. No, not just a few, 30 of them. There's 30 of these things. He sends me a picture saying, Josh, you have a problem. I was like, what do you mean? In the engine bay of my Jeep, I find these black walnuts in here. What's more annoying than that, I mean, that's annoying, but they were just sitting there like the Squirrels think it's cool, laughing at me. They put them in the runner of my car, so anytime I go forward, they just roll back. And you can hear it. It's so annoying. It's like this water bottle in the back of your car and just keeps going back and forth. You're like, you got to be kidding me. And then you put the brake on, it moves forward, and you're just like, oh, oh, those squirrels, those squirrels. But what happens is these have to fall. These seeds ultimately have to fall and do what? They have to die so that there could be fruit to be produced through them. Some squirrels love them, so they take them and eat them. Other times, you let these things fall, you nourish the ground, and you make something happen like another good old tree to pull up so that more squirrels can love my yard. But that's what happens, right? They must, the principle is that they must go and drop and die so that you can experience the fruit. And Jesus is saying, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces more seeds. And you see this all throughout creation. So it's a natural function of a seed, right? To drop, to die, and produce fruit, to produce another tree, to produce something that is of value. So I wonder if you've seen this in your life. If you've seen this in your life. Maybe you're at work and you go in to just go and get a paycheck, which is good in itself, but you don't really put yourself into this place You just go in and do the work and come back out. You don't really sacrifice yourself there. You're like, you don't give of, you don't 
and you just get a paycheck, and there's really not much there. Like, you don't do that. Or you see this in your family life, right? Like, if I think about this, like, if you're a mom and a dad that come in, and, and all you do is, like, you just sit up, and you're done with work, and you put your feet up, and you have your kids rub your feet, and they're serving you the whole time, and you're just like, yeah, watch. And you do nothing to serve the family. What happens? You don't experience often the joy of your kids, right? You just sit there and have them serve you. And you're not really dying to yourself to serve your family. Instead, you're there just to exist. And I wonder what you think of that when it comes to Jesus, who has fallen, who has died on the cross. He had to die so that there'd be more fruit yet to be. My favorite part, and this is more of a call for us, it's a very strong call, and, um, and, it's, and it's a good call, and I wonder what this looks like for you. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life for this world will keep it. Isn't that strong language? This love and hate. Like, what does it look like? What's Scripture kind of unpacking here about hating your life in this world? What What does that look like for you? And it's not even this idea, it's not like you have to go through your life and say, I hate myself, I hate this life, I hate, you know, this is not the idea. It's in comparison to who Jesus is. So what we see is we see what the mission of Jesus Christ was, is that he had to die so that more fruit would be produced. And then I wonder what it looks like for us as Jesus, the example of someone who has put on mission to bless our world, what does that look like for you and I to serve one another as Jesus Christ has called us to serve? What does it look like for us to walk into the fullness that God has for us this morning, knowing that Jesus came and died on the cross. Think about that for a moment. Verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be there. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Do you follow Jesus this morning? Have you placed your faith in him and then walked further than just the space of, I have placed my faith in him, but walked into a place of serving him. Because there's two promises that we see here, that if you're someone who serves him and follows him, where I am, my servant also will be there. God is with you. You are not alone in how you go and serve other people. My father will also, the second one, my father will honor the one who serves me. 
And how will you know that you serve Jesus Christ? How will you know that you're a disciple of him? Verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And you may have heard this, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I think the invitation this morning, as Jesus is the example, as we're called to go and serve other people, Jesus is drawing us this morning. You may have a faith relationship with him this morning, and praise the Lord. And you may be in this space this morning, and you may not know this Jesus that loves you so deeply that he died on the cross for you, so that you may live in the fullness that he is, and then be sent out on a mission to bless and serve other people. So what does that look like practically to serve other people? So bless the acronym, five missional practices. Uh, There's a video here that will explain more. God has always sent his followers to reach the lost and restore the broken through blessing. First through Abraham and now as followers of Christ, we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to the world. And one of the most important ways that we are called to bless our world is inviting others into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. We are excited to introduce you to a fresh paradigm for thinking about intentional evangelism through BLESS. BLESS is a new way of thinking about loving our neighbor as a natural part of our everyday life. We do this through five simple missional practices to help our unchurched family and friends journey towards faith in Christ. Begin with prayer. Pray for those in your life who are far from God. Ask God. How do you want to bless others through me? Listen with care. Begin with listening rather than talking. Listen deeply to people's dreams and pain. Listen for evidence of God's work in their lives. Eat together. Share meals and life with those to whom God has called you. Serve in love. Over time, be attentive to opportunities that God gives you to care for others and meet felt needs. Share your story. After building relationships and earning trust, look for opportunities to share the story of how Jesus is transforming your life and the world. There are two options for your church to do bless. Focus on one Bless Sunday with an emphasis on B, begin with prayer. Consider a five-week series highlighting all five of the Bless missional practices. These can be done sequentially, or they can be spread out over time. We invite you to live out these five simple missional practices with those in your spheres of influence, outside of God's family, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and colleagues, with the hope of helping people go further in their journey towards making a life-changing faith commitment to Jesus. So what does it look like for you to enter into a space to engage these five missional practices? 
What does it look like for you to go and serve other people? And some of them, I wanted to categorize them as simple, and some of them are not simple. Listening with care is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Eating with other people says that sometimes you have to move out of your comfort zone and move into some other space with somebody else's life. Serving other people with love is important because you will know, they will know that you're his disciples by your love and sharing your story. What does that look like for you? Because when I think about the mission to bless and I think about this five acronym or the five um, ideas and practices, I start thinking of people in my life who have blessed me. I think of my grandparents who I talk to and I know, I know they're always praying for me. I know the Denise Smith in my life who in the toughest, lonely, darkest times of my life I would go to piano lessons to learn piano and in all reality I would be talking about what life is doing or God is doing in my life. And she's just listening, teaching me some piano and just listening. Eating together, I got a buddy, Steve O'Sager. He and I, we hang and we talk and we eat together. We grab coffee together. It's good. Serving with love. Have you ever experienced someone who served you with love? Like right now, my dad, he's helping build an addition out of the house because I was in a one-bedroom house, and now um, I've got four in my family. That's not so easy. So my dad is constantly at our house over the last two years, serving out of love to help bring this to a space where we can all live peacefully almost. be great. Or have you experienced someone who shared your story? I got a buddy, Uman George, who again walked alongside of me, taught some things of the Bible, but he would share his story that connected with my story that changed the way I saw my story and how I connected with Jesus. These people have blessed my life, and I'm wondering who has blessed your life? Can you have a face to that name? Think about those people. And then I think my last hopeful desire would to ask you this who are you willing to bless who are you willing to go alongside and share God's love and share God's truth through these five missional practices so who are you called to bless let's pray God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that Jesus is the ultimate example of the mission to this world to bless. God, and you've called us to, in the same way, share our story, to go alongside other people and bless them through eating together. No matter if they're rich, they're poor, they're smelly, it doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman or who, uh, what group of life they're from. God, may we be this mission to bless. May we serve you out of love because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.